Hello and welcome to Cage Club, two fans, 76 movies, one cage. Today's movie is With Great Power, the Stan Lee story from 2010. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And Mike and I just had a sort of a pretty intense debate about whether or not we were going to bump the count up from 75 to 76. We sort of had to do a little bit of mental math and see if we counted the Johnny Ramone documentary, Too Tough to Die. And I think we, we counted that, so we're going to count this too. Cage is not in this a whole lot. It's a documentary about Stan Lee. But Mike's point about Cage being in it more than he was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, I think, is pretty valid. So, 76 movies. Here we go. And I also feel like this has a lot of relevance to who Cage is. Cage the person, Cage the actor. In the way that the music of Johnny Ramone influenced him, I feel like the stories of Stan Lee influenced him, if not more, just as much. Part of the way through Cage Club, and we might have said this when we did the Johnny Ramone documentary... We found a list of documentaries that Cage had spoken on or we thought he might speak on. We found a list of movies that he produced and wasn't necessarily in. And we were debating whether or not which ones we should do. And we did Johnny Ramone because even without knowing that he was friends with Johnny Ramone, we know that music is a big part in his life. And so I think you're right. Like, you know, because comics are such a key part of who Cage is and because he was Ghost Rider, he was in this Marvel property, even though Ghost Rider wasn't a Stan Lee character... We felt that it was important to do this because Cage speaks a couple times, and he's both, you know, a talking head and sort of live in the field with Stan Lee. And so I think it's kind of the the right call to do this movie. Yeah, and, you know, his name as well, right? Nick Cage is taken from not just a comic book character, but a Marvel comic book character, Luke Cage. So I feel like that adds credence to why we count this as well and, and, and the importance of Stan Lee, what it means to him. And I think the other thing that was kind of cool about this is he's not just a talking head. Like you said, he shows up in the field, as it were. Yeah, so this movie, unlike the Johnny Ramone documentary where we sort of had to wait an hour into, like, the hour and 15 minute long thing, Cage is like the first person you see basically that cage just talks about from the very top about how stan lee is a giant he's a giant like walt disney's a giant stan lee is a giant and a giant like walt disney is a giant and then cage is sort of gone for like an hour so but i mean like we knew that he was in it but i just love that we kicked things off and i guess he's kind of the biggest name like the biggest get they got as a talking head yeah it's funny like that encouraged me right off the bat that they started with him even though we didn't get back to him for a while i was just glad he was in fact in this documentary and looking forward to him popping back up and also they kind of rifle through a lot of quick clips of other celebrities and they're going through and i'm like i see ringo's star shows up for like one word and never pops up again so (laughs) it is kind of cool that there must have been just something extra special about nick cage to make him the celebrity they included the most What's kind of weird about this documentary, and something I wasn't crazy about while watching it, but as the movie went on, I liked it more and more, is that most of it, I would guess maybe, you know, 60, maybe even 75% of the movie is just sort of Stan Lee talking about his life. I know that it's, it, it, it wasn't possible in the Johnny Ramone documentary because he had passed by that point, but I was sort of expecting in a weird way for the movie to be, or the documentary to be more about other people talking about Stan Lee, how he impacted their life, family members and friends filling in the gaps. But most of it's just like Stan Lee, like, you know, I was born, I, I went to the army, I started Marvel, I did all this, I did that. It sort of threw me for a loop at the beginning, but as it went on and sort of the more time you spend with him and his wife, I think you get invested in it. Yeah, I actually like that aspect of it. It's sort of rare to get someone like Stan Lee who's 
been around for so long and done so much to be able to tell his own story. I think of the Philippe Petit documentary and like that worked really well for me because he's telling his own story. And there was a recent documentary about Don Rickles that was really cool because they do cut to lots of people talking about Don, but he gets to tell a lot of his own history as well. At first, it is sort of jarring. I don't know. I just, I'm not used to, not used to that. Like, you're just kind of used to hearing other people talk about right. the subject. But as it went on, it was like very fascinating to get it firsthand from the guy. And I really also wonder how many people, like this is sort of a morbid thought, but like how many people are still alive to tell his story? Like I feel like if Jack Kirby was still alive, this guy that kind of co-founded Marvel, like a very influential comic book artist and comic book creator, if he was still alive, I feel like we would have gotten a lot from him. You know, as old as Stanley is, you know, I don't know how many people would be around still that would be able to tell his young story. I mean, everybody can talk about maybe when once Marvel was created and like they do, they do bring people in to talk about that. But the early part of his life, you know, maybe his first 25 or 30 years, I guess he's sort of the only person who can tell the story. What I found especially interesting about the Marvel story and Stan Lee is how so few of these guys were actually doing this over there, right? Like he talks about the bullpen. At first it was Literally, just like Stan Lee was the writer and another guy was the artist. And then, you know, then there were three of them. And eventually there were eight of them. There just were not a lot of people working on these books for a really long time. And that was something about Marvel I learned from this documentary that I was not privy to beforehand. Yeah, he is sort of like the last surviving member in a weird way of this team that existed. There's a lot of things that this documentary touches on that I feel they could flesh out more, but it's almost like it doesn't matter. Like, they don't want to spend time on it. Like, they talk about how there was, like, this public outrage your outcry against comic books about how it causes juvenile delinquency and even asthma because kids weren't running around outside and they were just sitting inside reading comics and just sort of developing asthma like just like craziness and then but it's almost like as soon as that's introduced into the documentary they move on like it's sort of part of stan lee's past but it's not about stan lee they're just sort of telling his story which it's kind of cool like there's things that i wish it sort of took a detour but i totally get why they don't yeah, I like that they talk about all these cultural touchstones throughout history that he was there for and on the front lines of and stuff like that. You're right. These are all sort of subjects that deserve their own documentary, especially something like the comics code and things like that. And then, you know, even later, they don't get very deep into superhero films in the new millennium and stuff, but they touch that base and then they sort of move on from there. It just kind of reinforces to me how much he has experienced in this field. You know, like just what a touchstone in comics this man actually is. Like he was really there for everything. And I liked getting a history of Marvel because, I mean, it's impossible to tell the history of Stanley without telling the history of Marvel. As much as I thought I knew, and I mean, I didn't, I don't think I knew a lot. I mean, I knew sort of who the earliest comic book characters were and stuff like that. I did learn a lot about this. And what's kind of funny and kind of exciting in a retrospective way is this came out in 2010. And at the very end of the movie, Stanley's talking about how he wants to do more. He wants to do more. The only problem he has is time. Like, he doesn't have enough time. If you look at what Marvel's done since this movie came out, like, <laughs> it's almost basically, like, doubled in... You know what I mean? Like, it just... It's crazy how big it is now. I mean, it was huge back then, because, I mean, this was still after the Spider-Man movies and the X-Men movies and the first Iron Man had come out. But since then, like, he's talking to the end, he's like, you know, we're going to do Captain America again. We're going to do Thor. We're going to do S.H.I.E.L.D. We're going to do this. All of those things have come true. And it's just so cool to see his vision and what he saw the future holding 
just sort of unfold over these last five years. Yeah, the guy is almost like the Nostradamus of comic books. Like, there's just something, he had the magic touch, right, with, like, just creating characters, and he had foresight and vision, and it's great that he, you know, was so confident and excited about the future, and that it actually happened for him, too. And it kind of got me thinking, like, Marvel has started aging in dog years, you know? One year is, like, seven years worth of product to them now. Like, they've just produced so much since this documentary. It's like a whole other phase of the company. I didn't realize this was produced before the Marvel Cinematic Universe was even in existence. This is sort of a point of clarification. When did they, like, dub it the Cinematic Universe? Because Iron Man came out in 08, and so this was already... It covers that. They show Iron Man. Did they dub it the Cinematic Universe then, or not Or not yet? I believe they were right on the cusp of doing that. I don't think it was until Thor and Captain America dropped, like, that year, where they said, okay, get ready to understand, like, all these movies are interconnected, and we're going to come along with the Avengers, and they're all going to cross over and, and team up. So while I think Marvel probably had that idea in their pocket, I don't believe the public was conscious of that plan yet. I certainly don't think watching Iron Man and renting Incredible Hulk, I, you know, I just thought it was sort of like a tongue-in-cheek Easter egg thing when Tony Stark shows up after the credits. I didn't really realize like they were going to pull off this cinematic universe. What's also kind of funny is that at the end of the movie, he's like, we're even going to have an Ant-Man movie. Like, can you believe it? Like, we're going to do Ant-Man. And like, it took him years. Like, it, I guess that's the most recent Marvel movie to come out, right? It came out a couple months ago. That, but like, we're there. Like, you know, that Nostradamus of comic books or of whatever that you called him before, everything he saw happening in the future came true. One thing that I want to know more about, and goes back to what you just said about the Hulk, is that after Cage pops up at the beginning of the movie to talk about how he's a giant, Stanley's talking about how much he loved the 1960s. He said it's his favorite decade that he's ever been involved in comics. He just loved the 1960s so much. And they go through, and this is this when Ringo Starr pops up, that they're going through, so everybody's saying different years and different comic book characters came out, and Cage says the word Hulk. The Hulk. And I don't know if it was just because nobody else said Hulk. Does Cage love Hulk? Like, I I want to know more about why he got to say that word Hulk. Um, I don't know. That was kind of funny. I, I thought to myself, do I have to just pull him saying Hulk like, for the podcast? I don't really know. I, I wondered if it was just the editor doing a shuffle and saying, okay, let's just pull each person saying one character and do a montage of it. And uh, I would have expected them to use him saying Ghost Rider or something like that, or Luke Cage. I don't know what the significance of that was, although it is cool to just hear him say Hulk. What's even cooler is when Cage shows up for the third and final time, they're sort of cut to him out on the street and Stanley walks up and he's like, hey man, like I love you. I want to just say hi to you. And he's like, you love me? Like, I love you. Like, you're basically like my dad. Like, this is great. I heard you were here and I said, I don't care what. I've got to say hello to that man. I, I love him. I love you. You're, you're, I said, you're like a father. And then they cut to him in the studio talking about how, how much he loves Stan Lee. I had no doubt that those comic books would become the most powerful and exciting entertainment the world has to offer today when the technology got to such a level that it could it could portray that universe in a way that would work with audiences. We all know it, even if you don't watch a documentary, even if you only have a vague grasp of the Marvel Universe, 
you know that Stanley is sort of like this big kid, and just him seeing Nicolas Cage, even if it's not Ghost Rider related, even if it's just him, oh man, like I saw you in The Rock and Face Off ten years ago, like I loved you, like you're, you're great. This kid who just loves excitement, and it's just so cool to see him just seem genuinely excited to meet Nick Cage. Yeah, I think it, it just really helps that Stanley is like a really classy guy, you know, <laughs> like he is a genuine person, like he is not faking any of this, and it's just such a relief to know like there's such a good-natured guy out there and i really truly believe that his positive attitude and everything is what has helped create this success for himself right i can't imagine him saying a bad word about anybody really you know and and this moment where he meets you know one of his favorite people is great because it just reinforces like he's a normal person you know he gets stage struck or like he gets nervous around people that he wants he has his idols you know and he's an idol to other people too this just like a really great moment and when yeah when he's like you wanted to meet me like uh who i'm just nick cage the actor like you (laughs) are stan the man you know it's really cool moment another cool moment and i think i mean it's something i guess i should have expected and it's not cage related but they just talk about how growing up stanley just wanted to be like an actor like he just admired all these actors and so you know when he was in this position of power later in life all he wanted to do was like just have his little parts on screen and so like there's like this 30 second clip of just like a super cut of all his cameos from all the movies and you see him on screen for you know a second or two he's got one line here or there and it's just cool to see like we know that he's in every movie that he had a part in creating the character it's just cool to see them back to back to back to back this guy whether he's a mailman or just pulling someone out of the way on the street or a cop or whatever just you gotta love him at that moment i almost thought like oh look like he kind of fits anywhere you put him almost like nick cage does you know <laughs> like you put nick cage in any decade or like any situation to me i feel like he can he can adapt and play that role and i was like oh look he's like yeah he is like a security guard he is like uh hugh hefner or like all these little he is yeah he looks good as a mailman too it's just a bystander on the street that kind of struck me i was like that's kind of funny like he isn't he's just doing like these little bit parts but he looks like he kind of belongs there too and and i would love to string all of his cameos in a row including the new ones and and just see how long his screen time adds up to i I really wonder if we did like a stan lee club but we'd be watching all these (laughs) movies like we were counting the seconds that cage was in fast times he's in a couple he's in the one scene in never on tuesday he's only like in a little bit in these documentaries imagine watching like you know stan lee and just waiting two hours to see him in a post-credit scene or something. Like, he is the kind of role that Cage has played in a couple movies that we watch an entire movie for him. I'm sure there's people who go not just to see him, but I know a lot of people who go to Marvel movies and, like, all right, I'm waiting for Stan Lee to show up because, like, I know that he's in it somewhere. Yeah, I've definitely come to expect it and go in trying to forget about him and want to be surprised or, or like, play the Where's Waldo with him. So it's kind of funny how he's become a staple in the films as much as he's part of the comics and and everything, too. We're sort of coming to an end of this episode, and it's a really, really quick episode, because Cage isn't in it that much. Ghost Rider was not a character that Stan Lee created. They don't really mention Ghost Rider. Oh, one thing that is cool, I don't think it has anything to do with Stan Lee, but John Voight shows up, and they have on the lower third National Treasure book of secrets and so it's like oh like there's sort of a cajun action i'm not sure i guess he's just sort of walking by there on like a red carpet he's like hey look you know you know who i am he's like oh i know who you are like it's cool to see like a little bit of a cajun action and i'm sure there are other actors that i missed but it was cool to see him highlighted in a cage role yeah that was just like really great moment to see too because john voight is flustered in the presence <laughs> of stan lee stan just 
is like, but you're John Voight, you know? And like, I'm just Stan Lee. And again, it's just like so heartwarming, kind of. I mean, it's just so wonderful to see this guy and, you know, zero ego, you know, and like all that stuff. Never hear a bad word about him. And that was just hilarious. It's just cool to see, you know, not only Cage, but John Voight. And then I just imagine them on the set discussing comics in their trailers <laughs> or something and or Stan Lee coming up in conversation. It takes a very special kind of person and a sort of very special type of celebrity to be able to sort of fluster or impress everybody from like that five-year-old kid who grabs the mic at one of his like press conferences or sort of interview sessions all the way up through John Voight. If you're able to sort of fluster the entire human lifespan, like you've done something special. That'll just about do it for With Great Power. I guess we have to give a special shout-out, a special thank you to X-Men, the X-Men from the 2000s, for sort of reviving the Marvel film and TV world and sort of restoring credibility to there, because that's what gave us Ghost Rider. And so, aside from all the movies that Cage isn't in that are amazing that we love, thank you, X-Men, for giving us Ghost Rider. Yeah, and coming up soon, we'll even get a sequel, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. So, you know, it gets to double down. For all things Cage, you can go to cageclub.me. You can read our reviews find past podcasts follow us on twitter rate review subscribe on itunes all things cage at cageclub.me i'm joey lewandowski and i'm mike manzi and we'll see you next time on cage club the hulk 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 the hulk